Welcome to Unfuck Your Head. I am your host, Kat Jordan. It's time to take action, get out of bed, smell the new day, and unfuck your head. On today's episode of Unfuck Your Head, I am interviewing Kelly Lynch. Kelly Lynch is a licensed clinical social worker with over 11 years of experience, having worked with children and families with severe and persistent mental health disorders and substance addictions. Kelly specializes in post-traumatic stress disorder, anxiety, and other trauma-related disorders. She is a certified life coach, fitness trainer, and nutritional coach. Kelly also has an entire decade of experience as an EMT. She owns a private psychotherapy practice in Southington, Connecticut called Turning Point Wellness and a private life coaching practice, The Unapology Project. So I am here this morning with Kelly Lynch. And I'm super excited about this podcast because Kelly, I was struck by Kelly a few months ago on a Facebook <laughs> post that you made about um, what you were looking and, and expecting from a partner since mm-hmm. you are post-divorce and you have a young child and there come certain expectations with that. Um, and your post struck me not only because I am finding myself also divorced um, with children, but also the the authenticity that you expressed such a raw, um, <laughs> Jake is participating in the podcast, um, <laughs> such a raw expression of reality. And I think, you know, there's a lot of memes out there about what, this kind of woman wants in a in a partner and you were like fuck all that bullshit this is what's actually what we really need in a partner and I loved it and I was like I gotta talk to this woman like she's amazing <laughs> like she she gets it and she's not afraid to say it and yes. um so I had to get you on so welcome and thank you thank you I'm so happy to be here and to to just share and talk and hang out with Jake yeah <laughs> in a few times I'm sure my son might as well this is this is called life as mom exactly right yeah so I I I guess the best place to start is to just talk about uh, you know life as a single parent Uh, because as much as this is true for us as single moms I always want to emphasize that there's there's an equal amount that's true for single dads who are primary custodians or, or who are true 50-50 parents. Um, so there's so many nuances to, to what it is to being divorced. Um, for in, in my own position, I, I'm the primary custodian for my daughter. My ex-husband and I share 50-50 physical custody, but I have primary residence. So I'd say 70% to 80% of what it is to raise this kid Right. is on me just because of sheer time. She's just physically with me more. Right. Um, and it's hard. And 
people don't always, um, until you've walked this walk, nobody really gets it. And so that's, that's a lot of where my, my frustration in that post kind of got poured from uh, of just, you know, when, when you're trying to run a business and, and I own two businesses, Damn. when you're trying to run your home, when you're trying to have some sort of a personal life in there somewhere too, because we're still adults and we still have adult needs and wants and desires. Right. It's fucking hard. Yeah. And there's so many people who have these expectations that if you're a single mom, that you're just going to have all the time in the world, or you're just going to be able to meet everybody's needs because, well, you're already doing it for this tiny human. Right. So we're humans. Right. So why wouldn't you be able to do it for just one more person? And, you know, as, as I've been in the dating world, you know, I'm currently single and it's, it's just a lot. It's very aggravating to feel like I, I can just be this thing for everybody and without the expectation that that's going to be returned in some way, shape, or form. Right. And I think that that, from my experience, comes from um, partially just being a woman, right? As yep. caregivers, you know, we are raised um, traditionally to be the caregiving role and... Um, that then coupled with whatever experience I've had as a as a spouse just reinforced that. And it is really hard to then have to undo a lot of those expectations, not just from other people, but from ourselves. And really Absolutely. being able to recognize, and it sounds like you've done that um, and are doing that, and recognizing where your boundaries are, where you have to say, like, this is, this is my actual caregiving role to this child and these children um, and to myself – but I can't also then be a caregiver to other adults unless that's appropriate, right? And if it's not appropriate, these, right. are, these are where my boundaries are. And it is. It's very difficult to find another adult human being um, who's able to, to handle that and is able to manage their own life and meet you where you're at. It, absolutely. And I, I think you just said it really well that, it, you know, what's an appropriate caregiving role versus what's not. Right. And they, not to say that this doesn't exist because I, I know it does because I've seen it play out for other people, uh, you know, but the, in, in the experiences that I've had both as a spouse and now as an adult woman who's back in the dating world with an ex-spouse, there's just such an expectation and a, and a profound one at that that you can meet all of the needs, but you shouldn't have to, right. and you shouldn't want to, for that matter. Right, absolutely. So what has um, gotten you to this place? Can you share a little bit more about um, your story and, and how you've come to this pretty, as I'm perceiving it, badass woman <laughs> <laughs> who's, who's owning it, Right. And you're owning it in a way that's like, again, authentic, like your posts and, and what you share is reality. Like you're not shy about saying I've had a bad day and this is, a, you know, I'm really struggling today. And then the next day you're like, but I'm killing it, you know, and you guys can yeah. too. So can you share a little bit about like how you've come to this point in your life? Sure. So I, I've been divorced now for five and a half years. I, I left my ex-husband in gosh, October of 2014. And I 
I'm a survivor of domestic violence. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I had planned for six weeks before I left because it, it had gotten pretty dangerous. Okay. Um, and it was, I, I did not feel like I was in a position at the time to be able to have the discussion with him of that I no longer wanted to be married to him. That that kind of um, conversation would have been too risky. Yeah, for absolutely. Your life. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, because his, at that time, his temper was just way too unpredictable. And I, as much as I wanted to have that conversation, because I do feel like that, that's the right way to handle this the majority of the time, um, just out of respect for both parties, I, my my safety and my daughter's safety absolutely ha- was paramount. It had to right. come first. right. So, um, so I, I planned with family for six weeks prior to, to me leaving and how I ended up leaving actually wasn't even what we planned at all. It just was an opportune moment. And I was like, this is, fuck it. This is, this is the moment. Right. So, um, my oldest sister had actually come to, to get me and my daughter while he was at work one night. And I, I literally did the laundry baskets into suitcases and a garbage bag full of toys for my kid. She was a year and a half at the time, and out the door we went, and he came home to a note um, saying that we're, I, I'm going to be filing for divorce. So um, we, uh, the divorce took about six months, and in that time, so where, where this shift in boundaries started for me and the shift in expectations started for me, I, I lived with my parents during the divorce because the, the marital home just contained so many memories of right. trauma that I, I could not tolerate right. going back. Yeah. Um, and and it was a it was a dark time. So I stayed I was staying with my parents and each time I had a court date, my dad would go to court with me and my mom would stay home with my daughter uh, because she she hadn't started like any sort of daycare or anything like that yet. And my dad would say to me when we got back home, Kel, you're not angry yet. Mm. I need you to be angry. And you know, that's not the way that I want to move through the world. I don't generally identify myself as a very angry person. I, I really enjoy life and I, I enjoy the people that I'm surrounded by. And I feel like I have a lot of good things. Um, but over time, over the first probably two months of the divorce, I was just devastated that right. this this man was supposed to be the love of my life. Right. He was supposed to be my forever person. And I was in this space where I was just consumed by grief yes. and felt like an abject failure right. of the, you know, I was I was raised to believe that we say yes once and you get it right the first time and don't fuck your shit up, yeah. right? Um, and it was really fucked up. <laughs> so, you know, over those first two months, like I said, I like I was just so sad. And then something clicked of that, did I have ownership and accountability in what the relationship was? Absolutely. It takes two to right. get to the point of divorce. Nobody's ever a hundred percent an innocent party. Right. But did I have ownership in what he did to me in terms of the violence? And that was an absolute hard no. 
Uh, and that's, that's where I started to get angry of that this was not okay, right? Like, did I, did I need to be accountable to my lack of boundaries in, in the relationship? Because I was a hundred percent an enabler. Right. I a hundred percent was a doormat to it, to him. Right. You know, I needed to do that work, but in no way, shape or form did I deserve being threatened, being touched inappropriately, being told that I was crazy or a bitch or the C word. Like I, I swear prolifically most of the time, but I can't bring myself to say that. Right. Um, and it just was not acceptable. So that flipped that switch to, no, this, this isn't okay. And I, and I am all right if I'm angry for a while. And that ended up fueling me to get through the divorce uh, and then really do the work that I needed to do to get back on my feet financially, emotionally, mentally, like just being able to regain my independence and take back control over my story. But then as that evolved, so after the divorce was done, I stayed with my folks for another two months. So I was with them a total of eight months, bought my first place outside of all of that. Um, and moved out and figured out what life was going to look like on my own and realized, you know, if I was going to be a a model for my clients and if I was going to show women what, what was possible in life after divorce, that I needed to make sure I had my shit together. (laughs) Right. And I needed to make sure that I was willing to go first to to do the work that needs to be done so that we can be these strong, proud, independent women who have so much to offer, uh, but who are boundaried and respect the things that are sacred. So that's kind kind of the story of how I got to where I'm at. Um, But now at this point, you know, I'd say, I'm just not willing to accept anything less from anybody else. And I I think that it's really okay if the way that we move through the world is holding people to a higher standard. Yes. And I I almost think that we need to. Yes. Because maybe that's part of why we're at where we're at in our society, which is a different conversation, but... (laughs) Another podcast. it's (laughs) (laughs) It's all part of it too, though, right? Like if we're more willing to hold each other accountable and to to take ownership of this is what i'm contributing to this thing right whether it's a romantic relationship a clinical relationship a, a friendship coworkers whatever then things start to shift as you hold that space now can you reflect back to your history of where that would have been very valuable to shift things in your relationship and and let me preface this too I'm not one who is is often thought of like let's go back and say what would have been different if this happened right sometimes most often that's not useful it's not helpful but I'm curious you know you have this very clear understanding of how um we need to interact with each other as um adults and as fellow humans in order to be most successful in our relationships and most successful individually. So mm-hmm. is there a time in your history where you're like, this would have been a really good opportunity for us or for him 
um, to, to make a difference, to, to make a shift that could propel us in a different place? Or do you have more thoughts about how that might not have worked? Yeah, so if I had been better with setting very clear expectations and really holding holding him and myself accountable to to healthier boundaries, I wouldn't have been with him at all. Wow. And yeah. we we would have never gotten married because the the issues with violence, whether it was physical or or mental, they started before we got married. Right. And long before we got married, like this, this started realistically about eight months into the relationship. So I would never have moved in with him. I never would have married him. I never would have had a child with him. You know, it, there's, and I, I've done a lot of reflecting on that of that. How would life be different if I had been different? And, I, you know, I, I'll never say that I regret being married to right. him. Right. because I have my daughter. Right. Uh, and I, I truly believe that it took the specific combination of me and him to create her. Right. That if I had had a child with anybody else, that this, I, it, I would have had a kid because I wanted to be a mom, but it wouldn't have been her. Right. So, um, so I'll never say that I regret being married to him, but it's life would be profoundly different than what it is right now. And I, I do think that when we have a negative experience, there's so much value in really evaluating the, the, what the experience was and saying, how can I be better because this happened to me? Right. Or because this happened in my life. Yeah. And, and I think that that's where a lot of our power comes from, right? Is, is Absolutely. I've always had the mindset of um, never regretting anything. If I'm able to learn from it, then it was worth it. Um, yep. And I've and even through really really difficult times where I have a lot of shame or a lot of embarrassment or a lot of guilt, I still push myself to say, "Don't regret it. Learn from it." Um, mm -hmm. And I have to attest that to my parents. They definitely instilled that at a young age of of a, like that's a very important value. Yep. And and going through um, you know my own abusive relationship and divorce, like. I, I have the same sentiment as you do. It's like I'm very grateful for the experience and I'm grateful for um, having my two children. Um, and again, like they, I, I wouldn't have them. They would be different. Right. Um, yeah. And at the same time, there, there are those moments where I can reflect back and say, it's funny that you had mentioned of like, well, we wouldn't have gotten together at all if I had those boundaries. I feel the same way, you know, in, in yeah. reflection now that I'm outside of it. And I can yep. look at it from from the distance. I can see how we weren't we weren't a good fit from the get go, and mm -hmm. um, I, and I'm trying to grapple with that a little bit too, and try to impart that in other people because there's so much in our culture about finding a mate, right, and about dating yep. and about relationships. And I'm not quite sure the general knowledge is really as accurate as it needs to be. Um, and that concerns mm -hmm. me. That really worries me. You know, a lot of it is about fairy tale and a lot of it is about like like appearances and, and more superficial things. Um, and it's always about like who I want in a partner. And and I am coming to this conclusion both in my own experience and as well as a, as a clinician that it's far less about the other person and a thousand percent more about who we are and what mm -hmm. we need and are we ready and do we have the skill set as an individual 
to be yeah. able to have a healthy relationship. And had I, like you, had I had healthy boundaries, had I been more confident, um, had I felt good enough to deserve better, you know, then I wouldn't mm-hmm. have just said, okay, or it'll get better, or, you know, he'll he'll get help, and, you know, he'll go to therapy, um, and, and keep, you know, putting it back on, on the other person of, like, they'll, they'll figure it out, and it was only until I realized what I had to do differently that it was, like, a aha moment, and I need to get out. Exactly, and, exactly. You know, and I think there's so many men and women who are in these relationships, um, who are suffering. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so one of the biggest things that I, I, I think all of us need to, to focus on, and this is, I, I, I truly believe that this is ongoing work. I mean, this is, this is stuff that I had to do myself before I could do this work with clients, Right. but it, I'm still doing this work in my own life. Right. This, right. This doesn't this, stop. It's, this is a yeah, daily, absolutely. all day long, every day for the rest of your life progress, you know, and absolutely. Process. Because things are con- like the one constant in life is change. Right. Uh, so I, I truly, I, I love the idea of storytelling. Hmm. And if we look at, well, what is the story of who I am and why I am what I am? So much of that comes, like, obviously, it begins in our childhood, our brains are still developing, we get influenced and taught by the people around us. And we start to form our beliefs and our value systems based off of that. Right. Right. But then at a certain point in our lives, we start to begin to form our, our own value systems outside of what we've been taught and start to make decisions of, well, what do I actually believe in? separate from what mom and dad said or separate from what aunt Susie said or whatever. Right. And in the midst of traumatic abusive relationships, it is so easy for that sense of identity to get lost. Absolutely. So one of the biggest things that, that I realized I had to do for myself was really sit down and pick that pen back up and say, all right, well, but what is actually my story? What do I actually believe in separate from who, what he told me I had to believe in? Uh, So I I had to sit down and really start writing that story from scratch. And so, so much of the work I see my clients doing, especially my female clients, because again, as caregivers, it's so easy and, and simple for so many women to start the process of, of just prioritizing everybody and everything over themselves. Right. And this is where we really lose that sense of identity so that when you are in a situation where it's like, oh my God, holy shit, what do I even want out of life? Who am I? Where is this actually going? How did I even get here? It's because we lost touch with that story. So being yeah. able to, to stay in touch with how that story is evolving, what do you want to have included in it? You know, what what do you feel good about in it versus not? Because it all matters. It's all important information. It's just a matter of how are we going to emotionally invest into it. That story is just so fucking important. And if if we're not cautious about making sure that we're continuously prioritizing it, and continuously adding to it or editing it or revising it 
just the same as you would with any story that you're writing, then we lose the story. Right. If we give power to other people to be able to start writing that story for us, which is exactly when we start running into the issues like lack of expectations, lack of appropriate boundaries, lack of consistent self-care, a lack of asking for our wants and needs to be met and actually being able to get them met, right? Like that yeah. story just matters so much. So for some people, you know, maybe not looking at the whole picture might say, you know, well, it's selfish of me to have these kinds of expectations um, mm -hmm. or at high maintenance. We hear that a yep. lot, the word high maintenance. What do you have to say? What, what are your thoughts on, on people who have that perception? I say that it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, it's, I mean, God forbid we have expectations of somebody else, right? Like <laughs> if somebody is going to expect me to cook, clean, wash their dirty drawers, like I, why am I not going to have expectations of him? Right. Right. Like, and if you want to call me high maintenance, fine. That's a title I'll claim. That's cool. But don't you dare tell me that you're going to expect all of this stuff from me and not think that I'm going to want something in return for that. And is it selfish? Maybe, maybe. But there's certainly a big difference between being selfish and, and from the perspective of being totally self-involved right? versus being selfish from the perspective of no, I'm actually doing this so that I can be a whole human. Mm -hmm. And I'm doing this so that I can make sure that I'm able to show up for the people that I love in a complete way and support them in the ways that they need. You know, there's, there's really a healthy and not healthy way to be selfish. Right. And I, I talk to my clients a lot about, you know, you should be selfish that's that's actually not a bad thing at all. It's just a matter of why are you being selfish? The why drives whether or not it's healthy. And and how you're doing it, you know, the execution Absolutely. of it. Absolutely, yeah. right? Like your intention as well as the execution. I have to I have to go back to what you just said because you you said uh, to be a whole human. And yeah. I am struck by that because it is especially as you're talking about how we lose our power and we lose our sense of identity when we are in these relationships, both unhealthy relationships on, you know, one spectrum of it's just unhealthy to the larger, more um, severe spectrum of, you know, abusive domestic violence relationships. Mm -hmm. um, it covers all of that, right? If you are, yep. if you are losing yourself in a relationship, it's not good, right? Yeah. And, I don't know, like the idea of that I was half a human or a fraction of a human seems really accurate. It feels that way. I feel like that, that like who was I? Where was I? I've missed this massive chunk of my life. I try to reflect back and I'm like, I don't even remember half of it, you mm -hmm. know, because I was so lost and not so much like lost in the journey, but in, in myself, like I wasn't me. And, yeah. and having that I don't, I, I don't know. It just like, it punched me in the face. Be a whole human. Like, no shit, I want to be a whole human. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we should all be whole humans. Now, how do we do that while also being in 
a relationship and it sounds like you like again going back to your post is like you've really been able to tag it as like if I'm going to be a whole human and I'm going to have these boundaries and expectations I want you to meet me there I want you to be a whole Absolutely. human and have the same or same but like your own expectations and boundaries and let's talk about it and and work together yeah. in a way where we're both feeling validated and supported and both wholly individually people and then also mm-hmm. have this this you know space in between of what is our relationship yeah you know i think you just really hit the nail on the head in terms of, of being able to look at what is the communication that two people are bringing into that kind of dynamic as well of right the, are we both equally talking about okay well this is what i expect of you here's my boundaries around it and then being able to receive from whoever your partner is, well, this is what they're expecting of me and this is what their boundaries are around that. Because you know, it's easy for me to sit here and talk about all of this stuff, like what do I want? What am I looking for? What am I expecting? And things like that and sound like a really self-involved person because of it. But we, it, but that's not the case at all, right? Like, right. Because just as much as I'm gonna come into a relationship with somebody else saying, Here's where I'm at. Are you willing to meet me there? I have every expectation in the world that that other person will come in saying the exact same thing to me and that I need to be accountable to being able to receive that. Just as much as I'm going to come into a relationship with somebody else saying, here's what I'm going to do to prioritize taking good care of myself. And if you're not okay with that, then this is going to develop into a problem. I would absolutely expect somebody else to come into a relationship with me saying the exact same thing. And that, you know, as that kind of mutual give and take, you know, this is 50-50, however you want to name it or label it, right? it's okay for somebody else to come into a relationship saying those things as long as we are in a space to be able to receive that and hold space for it and respect it. It, you know, if we're not able to do that for somebody else, I don't know that there's really a, a good reason for them to do that for us. Agreed. Right. But so, somebody has to go first, right? So if I'm not willing to model that in a relationship, then there isn't a good reason for a man to do that with me. Right. And right? then and so, then I go to this space of like, okay, so being able to receive it and hold space for it how was it that you've been able to come to that? Because I feel like that that is a, an intangible, actually quite difficult thing to articulate, like what that is, right? So yeah. how, how is it that you came to that and how do you know that you, ha- you have that to hold? So again, I mean, being able to do my own work, of being able to look at myself and saying, okay, well, what is it that I need in order to be that whole human moving through the world? And that if somebody else is coming to me and saying, this is what I need as my partner in order for him to be a whole human moving through the world, that I need to be, I need to respect that. And that I should have the expectation going into a relationship with somebody else that just as much as I want to take good care of me and prioritize my self-care and have my alone time because I still need that that if he asks for the same thing of me to have his autonomous time and to do the things that he likes to do separate from me, 
that that's an okay thing to ask for. And that that's not him being self-involved. That's him prioritizing himself so that when he comes back into that relationship, he's able to show up fully. Yeah. It sounds so much um, like I'm just going to label it like healthy detachment, right? Like this is just Mm -hmm. what it is. Like um, you are your own whole individual person with your own needs and your behaviors do not necessarily immediately reflect my worth and my value. Right. And I think that's a lot of where we get caught up in this codependent um, patterns is that Mm -hmm. we we interpret our partner's behaviors as somehow a reflection of who we are as people. And I think if if we're able to be our own selves and believe and trust in our own selves, we no longer look to the other person for that validation. We believe it ourselves so much so Mm -hmm. that we can then see the other person as our own individual self. And then, yeah. and then there is no longer this, this space of, you know, well, you didn't do this and that means that you don't love me. And then the other mm-hmm. person being like, what are you talking about? Of course I love you. I mean, how many times have you heard that in your clients and in your own life, right? Like that is a so- common dialogue <laughs> in relationships and really it's bullshit. <laughs> Yes. It's, it's complete bullshit. And, and this is the meat of it. This is the stuff that, that we're talking about that's not actually being talked about in, in the field of relationships and communication unless you're going to therapy. I mean, this is really, really great because I feel like what this is doing is it's taking a lot of the complicated nuances of relationships uh, the chaos that kind of comes with the idea of dating and the idea of having a relationship um, that we all feel like just that like anticipation of like can I even even do this especially following getting out of an abusive relationship you know like right, right. I'm sure that there are many moments where you sat and thought because I've been there I don't know if I can be that kind of partner I don't know if I'm capable am I capable like I have no judgment and, and no like form of location to say where I'm at right, right now and yeah. and to to narrow it back down to as simple as dude just work on yourself <laughs> can you just mm-hmm. work on yourself um is actually really quite powerful and I think that if we sometimes we just need to keep things simple right right like I, one of the biggest things that my dad always said to me, when, especially when I was in high school, because I mean, hello, I'm a therapist for a reason. I'm a chronic overthinker. I'm chronically at a super deep, like this crazy existential kind of level of thinking. And he would always, he'd look at me and just shake his head because he, somehow this man just always knew when I was stuck in my brain. And he'd look at me and he'd say, Kel, just kiss and it the kiss method with my dad is keep it simple stupid (laughs) (laughs) yes I've heard that keep it simple stupid yeah and so and that's all that's all he needs to say to me and like I know it sounds kind of weird when like saying that my dad would say to me uh, you know Kel just kiss but that it just stuck yeah just okay okay keep it simple and it's kind of like that that hard reset of don't think so much about this because it's only ever going to be as hard as you choose to make it. Right. You know, one, one of my business coaches said to me at one point, it's simple, not easy. Right. 
Exactly and I right. I love that statement. Yes. You know, because Wholeheartedly. it really is simple. Yes. Right? Like boundaries are not a complicated, hard no. thing. They feel hard. Because of how we choose to emotionally invest into them. Right. Expectations are not a complicated thing. They feel hard because of how we emotionally invest into them. Self-care is not a hard thing. It feels hard because of how we emotionally invest, right? Like, and I could go on and on. It but it's Absolutely. this is not difficult. This is not complicated. It's not complicated. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. So we just need to keep this shit simple and think about what do I actually want? What do I actually need? And what's the language that I'm gonna use? Like, what am I gonna string together to form a sentence to go ask for those things? Yeah. I mean, like, I'm like dumbstruck. Like, yep, that's it. All right, wrap, done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's it. Guys, just listen to this over and over and over again. It is that simple. <laughs> It doesn't have to be that complicated. It right. all stems with the individual self, your individual self. And if you're able to work on that, then you're going to have a more successful, healthy life. And I think, you know, I, I come back to the spot, which would naturally be another podcast or another conversation of mm -hmm. why it is so difficult for us to really work on ourselves like why there's so much resistance and so much um, apprehension to look inward. And, and I think, you know, the first thing that comes to my mind is like those moments of shame. Like shame will destroy that completely. Shame will absolutely yeah. put us in a place of defensiveness and blaming others. And, um, and I am so guilty of that wholeheartedly. And I think, you know, being able to recognize that would be, probably be the first thing. It's like if you can recognize that you're experiencing shame and then because of that you're deflecting it onto somebody else, then you're in a good position. Because then that, that's the first step of like, oh, wait, there's something here that's wrong that needs to be mm -hmm. worked out. Um, and I'm curious to your thought, too, of like, so, you know, as a fellow therapist, I am biased in the idea of if we're – sitting with a, a, such a strong and detrimental emotion such as shame that that would be really necessary to work through with a therapist or a counselor somebody who is trained to deal with that kind of level of emotional distress and how it it feeds into our sense of self right like I really see that as a very valuable thing to be worked out with somebody who has the training and the knowledge to be able to help somebody through that in a way um that is most effective. But I'm curious yeah. in your experience, because you, you do coaching as well, and so you bridge mm -hmm. both of these fields, do you see people being able to work through those emotions without having to go to therapy or counseling? I mean, I've seen it happen. Uh, certainly, I, I fully agree with what you're saying. Uh, because how could I not? <laughs> right. I mean, we just see it. It's so valuable, you know? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. we see the progress, so it's hard not to be yeah. like, obviously this works. Right, right. I, you know, I, I've seen it happen where, where folks have worked through those kinds of emotions on their own, mm -hmm. but it's taken them a lot longer. Right. The process has been a lot messier and and much more complicated than, than what it actually needed to be. Right. Um, 
you know, I, I think one of the biggest things for, for anybody struggling with something and saying, you know, can I do this on my own? Obviously, first you need to look at your finances and figure out what services can you afford. Right. Um, and, and then think about what are you willing to work on on your own? Because, it, you know, maybe one of the roadblocks is that you haven't gotten to a point where you're ready and willing to commit to doing some of that work. And just as much as that holds true in, in therapy or even in coaching, you know, if we're, if we're deciding, okay, I, I need to do this part on my own, you have to answer to, am I ready, willing, and able to do this? You might be ready and willing, but unable. Right. Just because of lack of skill set. And that doesn't mean anything negative or bad about who somebody is. It just means like you just might not know any better. And that's fine. Um, but are you ready, willing, and able to do this work, whether it's on your own, with a coach, with a therapist, whatever? You have to answer in the affirmative to all three of those things right. before right. truly committing to something and being able to have a real expectation of success. Right. And I mean, I couldn't have said that more perfectly. You totally just nailed it, right? Like, that is exactly where you have to start. Um, yeah. And in order to have. <clears throat> you know, a, a more successful experience in our relationships. And, you know, there's a lot of research now too coming out that connection is truly the cure to all of our illness, right? Like mm -hmm. if we're connecting with ourselves, if we're connecting with um, our community, our friends, our family, and our higher self and, you know, the higher spirit, then that's where we're going to find a lot of peace and happiness and joy in life. And so, you know, if, if we're not engaging in these relationships in a way that promotes a true connection, then we're failing. Mm -hmm. And I think we're seeing that. I, I totally agree. But again, we have to go back to even before trying to, to create those connections, as much as I agree with what you're saying, we have to think about first, what do I want that connection to look like? Right. So again, right back to those boundaries and expectations. Right. Right. I mean, like I would say fully after after I got divorced, my my relationship with my family completely changed and for the better. Uh, you know, there there was a lot of animosity from me to my family and kind of from my family to me that just because of what the, the relationship was with my ex-husband, that they could see that it was unhealthy. Right. They tried to tell me it was unhealthy and I just didn't want to hear it. Right. Right, like I was 100% in my own way. And it, it created some real fractures to those relationships. And then in coming out of the relationship and looking at them and going, oh shit, you guys were actually totally right. Yeah. Now I feel ridiculous, right? right. Like here comes some of that shame you mentioned. Right. Um, in creating those connections and rebuilding that and healing the fractures, I had to really think about, all right, all right what what do I actually want this to be? How do I want to actually go about doing this repair work? And, and what am I willing to commit to in these connections? You know, my relationship with my mom at this point is better than it's ever been, which is amazing. You know, my dad and I are super close. I'm 100% a daddy's girl, so forewarned to anybody who would ever meet me. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I'm closer with my sisters now. Yeah. than I ever was before. Yeah. So it, it's be, but having to do the work of what do I actually want from this and what am I willing to put into this? 
uh, and then creating that, those connections based on the foundation of boundaries and expectations. It, it just matters so much. It really does. And I, I, I'm just like still in awe and like totally struck by your story and your power and your willingness to just like spread all of this wonderful knowledge. I, I mean, seriously, Kelly, I can't thank you enough for, you know, coming on the podcast and being able to do this. I'm glad it worked out since we're not yeah. like in person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it worked. <laughs> I'm happy to do it. I'm happy to do it. Oh, yeah. yeah we're that... definitely going to have you on again. I, I'd love to. Awesome. Uh, I, I just I so believe in the power of stories, like I said earlier, and just it, the more that we're able to share our stories not only as clinicians, but as women and just as people. As people, right. The, the more we're going to heal each other yeah. by just being willing to be transparent. It, it just, it matters so much. Absolutely. And, and that's why I am so appreciative of the work that you're doing because it's mirroring the work that I'm doing. And it just feels really great to know that obviously we're not alone and yeah. we're all fighting the good fight. Um, especially in the times where, you know, things can feel really dark and heavy in our society. I'm glad to see yeah. that there's a lot of us actually really yes. doing the work to, to help others out. And it's just exciting to know that we're not alone in that. So thank you. Very cool. Yeah, no problem. Thank you for listening. Join me on the next episode of Unfuck Your Head as we continue to build a community where understanding human health is at the forefront of real change. Don't forget to hit subscribe and follow me on Instagram at Unfuck Your Head Podcast. You can also check out upcoming podcasts, my blog, and ways to contribute to our mission by visiting our website at unfuckyourhead.org. It's time to take action. Get out of bed. Fuck your head